Father God, we just thank you for this time and this day and this space. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would um, do your work this morning. And God, speak a rhema word, a right now word to every single one of us in this room. God, fill us with your power and equip us this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. I am excited about the next few weeks. In fact, um, leading into summertime, we're going to be thinking about our history and our, and our present and about our future because we're going to be looking and we're going to spend some time in the book of Acts. And I think, I think we're going to have enough time in the book of Acts that we'll probably divide this up a little bit, maybe have another, throw another series in there in between. But the, the book of Acts isn't really... Um, so much about looking backwards. It's, it really is about understanding where we are right now in history and what we're supposed to be about on our trip around the sun this year. That's how we started off this year, right? And so we've titled this series Powerful. And the reason that we've done this, um, because what Acts says to you and to me is that God wants us to live lives that are full of power, amen? Anybody say amen to that this morning? That, that's actually the mark of the believer. Then that's actually, that's the mark of the church. A telltale sign of the believer and the church is that the believer in Christ is full of power. And, and the mark of the church among all other organizations on the planet, which there are some that are fantastic, right? Is that the church is full of power. And if the Christian isn't full of power, if you're not full of power, if I'm not full of power, then we've missed the message of Acts. And if we miss Acts, then we miss a lot. So I don't want us to miss this. That's why we're going to spend some time in this book. In fact, I'm just going to hit 11 verses today. And really, that's going to be kind of just opening up where we're going this morning. And so we want to be that church, right? And, and, and so we want to be a church that's full of power. And we want to live lives that are full of power. And what the enemy wants to say to you and to me is he's always trying to dumb down the expectation that God has for our lives. And he's saying, you know what? Your life just needs to be fun or, or your life just needs to be survival or your life just needs to be, you know, whatever. And God is saying, no, you are meant to live a life that is full of power. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you're from, where your station in life is, what your story is, what your past is, what your weaknesses are, what your struggles are, or what your situation is. It's not contingent on us to become powerful. God is wanting to be powerful in you and in me. And so we're making this our theme as we go through the book of Acts, Power full. And we've broken it up even in the graphics so that you can see the idea is that your life and my life would be full of power. And today I just want to give a, just a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of an overview for Acts so that we're starting on the same page. The title today is Purpose and Power. Can we just say that together? The title of today's talk, Purpose and Power. Ready on three? Three, two, one. Purpose and Power. So those two things are very much linked together in Acts, purpose and power. And so we're going to read a little bit in the first chapter. And if you have your scripture, we're going to 
you'll start off in chapter one. It's a good place to start, right? The first 11 verses and just kind of get things rolling down the tracks a little bit, get the boat out of the slip and get out in the water and get the sails up and, you know, get ready for what God wants to do with us going into this summer season. And so we're putting all of this today under four big ideas. Um, On the back of your bulletin, there's a place to take notes if you want to follow along. There will be four big overarching themes. And if you're watching online, you can download them as well. Four big overarching themes that we're going to see in Acts. And there are also two cul-de-sacs in today's message. And you say, what does that mean? Well, if you've ever been in a neighborhood with a cul-de-sac, um, they are what you, 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 you go down the street, right? And you, you, you have to turn around. You have to go back, turn around, change directions. Or some of us, you know, if you're that kind of person, you just go around and round in a circle. But you don't go through. And sometimes in our life, as people and as the church, we get stuck going around in circles in a cul-de-sac. And God wants us to keep on moving, but we sort of get bogged down. So there are two of those in the text today as well. And then there are some immediate and residual outcomes that we're praying will happen in your life and in my life, starting right now. Is anybody down for that? Anybody just ready to just let Holy Spirit come in all of his power in our lives? And over the course of the next few weeks, as we're in this series, so four big overarching ideas today, and I want us to grab onto those. I think they're pretty simple to grab onto too. And then there's two cul-de-sacs that every church, including Destiny, can get stuck in. And we wanna talk about those today so that we can move through them. And then there are some outcomes that we wanna see happen too. And one of those outcomes just to, to, to let you know ahead of time, it's not that at the end we will be more informed about the book of Acts. That's not the goal. That's not one of the outcomes that we're looking for. The outcome that we're looking for is power. Power. That's what we're looking for. This, this won't be everything that we've been praying that we want it to be unless we walk away with lives that are marked distinctively by God's power as we go. Acts was written by Luke, Dr. Luke. And we know Luke from his boys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, That same Luke was an eyewitness follower of Jesus and an eyewitness to everything that's happening and unfolding after the resurrection of of Jesus. And he's writing this book to his friend, Theophilus. And we'll see that in just a moment. The name Theophilus, by the way, means God's friend. And, and most people believe that he was a person of high standing in this particular day of age. And most likely, he was a person who didn't come up through the Jewish faith, um, through the history of Abraham and that line, but who was a Gentile outside of the faith who was coming to put his, his trust in Jesus. And Luke's saying at the beginning of this book, I want to write all these things down so that you can be sure about everything that's happened. Okay, and so we read, we're going to start in verse one. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so Luke is writing to him another book now. And he says, I wrote earlier about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he was telling them about um, the kingdom. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
They were looking for something else, weren't they? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you want to just shorten the whole book of Acts, actually the whole message today uh, and the whole book, this is the purpose and the power in one punch right there in that verse. In this moment, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and immediately then you're going to see the purpose. That's the power. The purpose is you will be my witnesses in this town, in this area, in this region, in all the areas and all the towns on planet earth. All right. I had a professor in Bible college. He was trying to make, this is verse one, eight of Acts, right? He was trying to make, um, one, eight, a new word, one, eight, one, eight. Um, the church is, is to one, eight, move in the power and the purpose of God. It never really caught on, but I thought of that as I was preparing this week, we are to one, eight. Um, and so after he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hit him from their sight. So Jesus, he's out. I mean, if there's ever a drop the mic moment, if you've ever wondered where that happens in scriptures, Jesus said, Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to have power. You're going to be my witnesses here, there and everywhere. And then boom, peace out, mic drop. (laughs) That's where it happens. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10. And while they were gazing into the heaven, as he went, that's a really beautiful picture that we're going to talk about in one of the cul-de-sacs in just a moment. Behold, two men uh, stood by them in white robes. So God had to send a couple messengers and that's what he continues to do for us today, right? And, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. And so that is the introduction to what God is about to do. And this book is many time, it's called the what? The Acts of the Apostles, right? But that's not really very accurate as, as this book is really, what is it about? It's about the acts of Almighty God through the apostles, right? Because God is about to do what only God can do. And, and, and there are four big themes here and I want us to grab onto them. And here's the first one. If you're taking some notes, I'd love you to write these down. Um, number one theme of Acts, Acts is announcing that there is a new and overwhelming authority under which and by which we will live our lives a new and overwhelming authority under which and by which we will live our lives. You say, what do you mean by that? In the very introduction, in the very beginning of this book, Luke puts it in really clear terms that Jesus both is alive from the dead, that's authority, and he has ascended into heaven. He is no longer roaming around the holy land in the flesh, but he's, he's seated on a throne and he's in a place of rule and authority. In the heaven scripture says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and everything is being made his footstool. And so why is that important? Because Acts is unfolding as, as did the life of Jesus under the rule of Rome. And the rule of Rome was one of the most formidable formidable empires in the history of, of mankind. The, the empire of Rome considered, the, sorry, the emperor of Rome considered himself to be God, to be sovereign, to be deity, to be divine. And so his word and his decree was as if it were the word of God in the, in the place and the time he lived. And to defy the emperor meant immediate death. 
And, and so the reach of Rome spread over, spread over the known world all the way to this little teeny tiny outpost called Jerusalem, which, you know, no one gave a rip about at the time in Rome, but God who likes to do things upside down, he uses foolish things of the world to confound the wise, made the son of God in human flesh to be more than a major in Bethlehem to live this perfect life and to die outside of a nothing town in the eyes of the authority of the emperor. So not knowing in Rome that divinity had entered humanity and that a transaction was being gonna be offered on a cross outside of the city of Jerusalem that would change the trajectory of every human being on planet earth. And that the son of God offered his life in humility. He was buried in a tomb. He was raised by the power of God. 40 days, it says, he was walking around as the witnesses um, who he was talking to, now alive in the power of God. And in a moment... He drops the mic, he has that moment, and he sends up into heaven in front of eyewitnesses to say, I now am ascending. I descended, but now I am ascending. God is lifting me up and he's setting me up and he's giving me the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, that those on earth and those under the earth and those in the heaven and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's talk about authority for a second, right? So in a climate that was this, this political rule and reign that was just kind of, this was, this was it, the highest place he could go, the true king has ascended to his throne and this is the new reality. It, it's, it's the new reality as the page turns into the book of Acts. There is a new an overwhelming authority over our lives. Even in this opening introduction, verse seven, when he's asked, is now the time that you're gonna come to establish your kingdom? You came, you died, you were buried, you were raised. Now you're gonna set up everything the way it's supposed to be, right? That's what they're thinking. You're gonna set up this new government, this new kingdom. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father is set by his own what? By his own authority authority. And so I'm alive and I'm seated on a throne and God has the authority by which he's going to call the end of time. Now think about that for a second. Some of you are familiar with this. You know, in, in, when you were a kid, for many of you, you were out and about and your mom or your dad had the authority to tell you what time you had to be back home at the end of the day. Am I right? Right? And so maybe they had a whistle. I had a friend whose mom would do that. Marlis had a whistle that, you know, does anybody do that with your, your two fingers in your mouth? Can anybody do that? Does anybody here do that loud whistle? No? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, though, that loud whistle that you can hear. They, they would whistle, and, 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 and Marlis would do this, and that would pierce through the whole neighborhood. You know, she stepped out on the front porch, and, and she'd do the whistle, and we could be three miles away, you know, riding our dirt bikes over the ramps in that undeveloped part of town where we went, and we would hear that whistle, and you would start making your journey back to the house at that time because you knew you had a certain amount of time when you heard that whistle. <laughs> And so she had the authority to say, the day's over, basically. She had the authority to say, your weekend's over. You know, she walked in that kind of authority. Uh, but God Almighty has that kind of authority. Check this out, that he's gonna ring the bell in Wall Street one day and say, thank you very much, you're done now. 
right? Can you imagine that? Can you just imagine, you know, spending your whole life as a trader or someone in that financial sector and your whole life is, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you're getting up and preparing for the market. You see that's, you know, all that's going on over in the other countries, over in Asia, all the other parts of the world. The day's over, you're sifting through all the rubble and you start and you do that all over again. And then one day Jesus just shows up on authority from the father in heaven. He says, thank you very much. We're finished here. Wall Street is finished. <laughs> and, and they will never trade again. Every government will stop. Every Congress will cease. Every business transaction will end because of the authority of the father of Jesus, father God. And Jesus is announcing to you and to me, you are living under and with that authority. That's at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is giving them purpose, but he also announces that they're gonna have authority. And so he says, verse 16, at the last chapter of Matthew, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus said, I know it looks like all the authority is in Rome, but you need to understand all the authority is in me and, and all the authority rests in me. And a microcosm for me of what's happening in Acts, we're just gonna dip for just a little bit into chapter nine of Acts. This is where Paul, who is called Saul at the time was on his way to kill Christians. And he was doing it as we're gonna see under the authority of, of the religious rulers of the day who had power in this area to snuff out the message of Jesus. And many of us know Paul was blinded on the way. Um, uh, he has a vision and he sees and hears Jesus speaking to him. And then in verse seven, we pick up on the story and it says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor, or drank. Now it just so happens it was three days. Why? Because I, I, I think, I just think that that's giving us just a little picture of, of what we are like without the resurrection of Jesus. We are blind and we can't see anything, but in a three-day span, Jesus changes everything and he turns a story around and he gives us the capacity to have our sight and our life redirected and changed in him. That's all of Acts in a nutshell right there. And so second mini sermon of Acts right here today. First one, you get the power and the purpose in Acts 1.8. We're going to 1.8 as a church. Second mini sermon is right here. Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias that the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And I know we just recently spent some time in this passage, but look at how he answered God. How did he answer? He said, here I am, Lord. Do you know why he said that? Because he was operating under the authority of Jesus. In, in the new church that was developing here, there was no kind of wishy-washy, you know, we go to church, we like God, we, we love God, we love Jesus, we love the truth, but we also love doing things our own way. <laughs> you know, and some days we're with God and some days we're not. Some days we do it God's way and some days we do it our own way. And some days we really get the big picture, uh, but a lot of other days we just kind of live the way we want to live. Some days I give, some days I don't. You know, th that was a foreign concept in this moment. Jesus had just been crucified and, and, and raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And the people who've latched onto that message are fully in and fully cognizant that Jesus is Lord of all. Lordship wasn't an option or an add-on to the early believer's idea of following Christ. Lordship was just what it was. 
And in our day and age, it's, it's kind of like there's this idea that you kind of mature to the idea of lordship or you graduate into the master's degree of, of Christianity, which is in the lordship of Christ. But in the early church, it was just Jesus is Lord, pure and simple. He's Lord. I, I surrender to him. So if he's speaking to me in a dream, guess what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, yes, Lord, here I am. That's my first response, first thing, right out of the hopper. I don't even know what he, you're gonna say, but here I am, Lord, what do you have for me? Here I am. You might think, you know, should, shouldn't Ananias, you know, wait to hear what he's gonna say at least first? <laughs> well, he hears, and then he comes back to qualify it a little bit. The Lord told him to go to, to the house of uh, Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. In a vision, um, Saul had seen a man named Ananias. So guess what, Ananias? I'm gonna send you. (laughs) You have that name. (laughs) What a coincidence, right? That's why I'm sending you. So go and place your hands on him to restore his sight. And now here comes the qualification to the here I am, Lord. Ananias did actually go, so that's, that's the good part. Ananias answered, I just wanna make sure Just clarifying here, um, but I've heard reports about this guy and all the harm that he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. So check this out, verse 14. Ananias says, um, here Saul has authority. There's that word again. He has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. So we see that idea. You know, wait a minute. I can't go and pray for this guy because he's under authority. He's under the authority of Rome. That's the biggest, highest authority you can get. And what Jesus is wanting to say is, He is here under authority, but his authority is under my authority. So you just go to the house and you pray for him and there's a new and overwhelming authority on the scene right now and it is me. And so whatever I call you to do, you're gonna do it under my authority. You just need to remember all those other authorities are under my authority. So you go in confidence that you are under the authority that is above all other authorities. You serve the one whose name and title above are, are above all other names. And so in a world where there is a power struggle, after power struggle, after power struggle, we've seen it, and political opinion that is ripping the world apart and even the church apart, how helpful is it for us to know that as God's people in a world where it's looking like their rulers or their authorities or their decisions or their kingdoms or principalities or powers are shaking things up, we are actually linked into and operating under an authority that's over every other authority that's out there. Somebody, right? So we give to Caesar what is Caesar's and we give to God what is God's. And Caesar's image may be on the coins, but guess what? God is in our hearts and so we are under that authority. (laughs) No prime minister, no president, no government ultimately is gonna call the shots because there is an authority operating over all that authority that is in the world. And this is the backdrop of the book of Acts. There is a new and overwhelming authority. The second big overarching idea is that there's a clear and all-consuming assignment. Acts lets us know why we're breathing and it couldn't be simpler. You and I are alive in Christ and have received his grace so that we might carry the name of Jesus to all the people on the planet. (laughs) His name, Um, that we would carry his name to every single person, you know, as fast as we can. This is our clear and it's our all-consuming assignment. And somehow, here's our first cul-de-sac. 
One of the cul-de-sacs that we get stuck in in life is that we turn inward when the gospel is propelling us to go outward. We can get so stuck. Interestingly, I put this on your notes, sin ends with a two-letter word. What's that word? In. The end result of sin in my life is inward focus, inward investment, inward comfort, inward thinking, what I want to do, the way that I want to do it, the way that I want to live, what I think is right, my opinion, my point of view, my particular take on a decision, my deciding what I want to do with my time and my energy and my life and my schedule and my gifts and all the other things in my life. That is the result. That's the end result of sin is inward focus. Sin always turns in. But then the cross appears in the story and Jesus gives his life and he cancels sin and is buried and is raised from the dead by the power of God. And the gospel is announced. And guess what? The word gospel starts with a two letter word. And what's that word? Go. And so Jesus in his death and his burial and his resurrection transfers us from in to go. And it is from let's, let's all gather around and let's just, you know, do church in the building. No, it's let's get on board with what God is doing and let's move out. Let's go, not in, but let's go. Not me, but it's them, not what I want, but God, what do you want me to do to reach the world? And so everybody, everybody is involved in this assignment. That's a part of, of, of his church. It's, this is not limited to Will Graham. This is not limited to the guest evangelist that comes to town. This is not limited to people who have a certain spiritual gift. If you have received grace, then you've also received this invitation. I want you to wait in the city because you're going to get what I promised you. And you're going to get the spirit of God, the very spirit of God. And when Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power. And when you get power, you're going to be my witnesses in this town, in this area, in this region, and to the ends of the earth. That is your assignment. And that was the assignment right here in Acts chapter 9. Ananias, he was saying to him, but he's here under the authority from the chief priests, you know, from the emperor of Rome, and uh, to rest all that call on your name. And verse 15, it says, but the Lord said... (laughs) Can, you just, can we just say that together this morning on three? Three, two, one. But the Lord said. <laughs> this, is, this is Acts. So it's, it's, I don't care who the emperor is. I don't care what the opposition is. I don't care how far the ends of the earth are. I don't care, you know, that you feel like you're unqualified or unable or weak. But the Lord said says, and God's always interjecting. And he says, Ananias, I know this looks crazy because Saul does have the authority to kill you. (laughs) He does. But this is going to be powerful because you're going to go in authority that is bigger than his authority. And guess what? I've already put to death some things in him. I've already done some of the work. I've did that on the road to Damascus. So I took him down off of his high horse. I took him down off of his pride. I opened his eyes to see me. And I blinded him to let him know that my power is greater than anything that he's ever seen before. And guess what? You're going to go to him right now and show him a new authority. (laughs) And give him his assignment for his life. And so here's how it's going to go down. And then it says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, go, (laughs) hello, go. (laughs) 
go. And Ananias is like, can we just go back? Can you just let me go back to sleep? You know, give me another dream. I like dreams. Your dreams are really good. (laughs) But God's dream, listen to this. God's dreams always lead us to go. Hello? They do. And so he says, go. I love that. He didn't say, well, let me explain all this in detail, blah, 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 blah. It says, go. Just trust me. Just trust me. Go. Go. Get out the door. Trust me. This man is my chosen instrument. Saul is going to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Go. Go. Because this guy came under authority to kill Christians, but this guy is going to be sent out under a new authority to carry my name to the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles were the people who didn't grow up in the right family, right? They didn't grow up going to the right church or to a Christian school. They didn't grow up in the faith. They didn't go to vacation Bible school. You know, they didn't have parents that were upstanding Christian people. The Gentiles were the pagans of the world. They were, you know, believing all manner of things, it says in scripture. They, you know, worshiping all kinds of idols, involved of all kinds of debauchery of every kind. And these were the people who were considered far from God, undeserving of God. And these were the worst of the worst in, in kind of the mind's eye and the culture of the time. He said, guess what you're going to carry my name go isn't that awesome and and you're you're going to carry it out to the people who don't think they have a shot with me go see we have you and I a clear and all-consuming assignment and it is to carry the name of Jesus to all people on the earth at all costs and you say what do you mean the all cost part (laughs) Well, it's right here, the book of Acts, verse, verse 16, it says, I will show him, talking about Saul, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, the reason that this is true is very simple. It's because there's an enemy who's blinded the eyes of people and wants to wreck the plans of the glory of God. And, and so he's free on earth for a season and a time, and he's doing exactly what he set out to do, which is to steal, kill, and destroy, And he will oppose people and he'll deceive people and he'll deceive rulers and he'll deceive governments and he'll deceive nations and he'll try to shut down or at least slow down the advancement of the scripture and the truth of God's word and the message of salvation and he'll concoct false gods and he will erect false idols and he will erect false movements to stifle the message of redemption and hope and grace, which are only found in the name of Jesus. And so we're participants in some crazy way. God is allowing to do this with the appointed authority of God to bring all the world to his grace. Isn't that amazing? Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9, you can read that and see how it talks about the Gentiles being grafted in to the promises of Abraham. Revelations 5, verses 9 and 10, in an amazing passage, he's going to have the redeemed from every nation, every race, every tribe, every tongue. And Revelation 7, 9, and 10, again, he said, I looked and I saw a multitude of people all dressed in white and they represented all the people on planet earth. This is the mission and this is the plan. We are in it. It is ours to do. Guess what? Your plan A. Your plan A. (laughs) It is our great commission to fulfill. Go ye therefore to all the earth and make disciples of every nation, here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. One of the outcomes from this time together, from this series that we're praying for, is that individuals and families are just going to be awakened by Holy Spirit to just know that you have a place in this story. 
that this, this story of the book of Acts is for you, not just a place that we're all gonna have by giving and praying, you know, and being conscious and being aware and going out to our neighborhood and into our businesses and our family and, you know, taking the gospel to Rapid City. That's all good. That's all part of what we're called to. But some of you are gonna have a very specific call in your life, maybe even to leave what you know. And, and to go to a place and the people that right now sitting in this room right now, you don't know that place and you don't know that people. If I name the place, you go, I don't know where that is. And if I named the people, you'd say, I don't know those people, but God is going to stir your heart and God's going to speak into your life. And it's going to be one of the outcomes, I believe, of this powerful series right here in this room. And for those of you watching online, and so in time, you're, you're going to say maybe goodbye to even to us in this room. And you're going to say goodbye maybe to Rapid City. And you're going to shift and move your life and route somewhere else. And you're going to do it happily, not begrudgingly. And you're going to get there and be fulfilled and not depleted. And you're going to go there under assignment from God and know that you are in God's place. And you're going to have power like you've never had in your life, maybe even here in Rapid City, because you're going to be in the place that God wants you to be. In a year from now, maybe two years from now, you're gonna be telling the story. It was Destiny Foursquare Church. It was going into the summer of 2021 that God awoke in my life and my family's life. And we are here on the front lines at all costs because it is clear and is an all-consuming assignment. That fire is in me and we got it. Amen. The Brown family, we announced last week, is, is moving to Fort Morgan, Colorado. They're on assignment. They're on assignment. They didn't know anybody there, but God's making the connections, right? And God said, go. And now guess what? They're going and, and they're all in. And listen, that's for all of us. And, and we are all on mission with God in the world. That's going to happen for some of us. And that's supposed to happen. And that should happen. And in fact, we're praying for that to happen. And we want to cheer when that happens. We want to celebrate those who step into their assignment. Two other big ideas. The third big overarching idea is that there is a present and all-sufficient assistance. There is authority and an assignment, but God knows that we can't do the assignment by ourselves. So the first cul-de-sac we talked about was this inward focus. We're just going to sit here. And the way it pops up, we saw in Acts 1, is that they're asking Jesus, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? How is that all going to work? We're, we're just going to stay here and look up into the heaven and, you know, just wait for something to happen. Um, and he's like, hey, what, what are you looking at? You've got an assignment. Go. <laughs> Don't you worry. When I come back, you'll know. Because the same way that I'm going up, I'm coming down. So stop trying to figure out when I'm coming back and start trying to leverage your moments to take the gospel to people who haven't heard yet about the grace and the mercy of God. Don't get stuck in the cul-de-sac of, oh, how is all of this going to work out? I want you to move out and I want you to go. But the second cul-de-sac is that we have a tendency when God gives us an assignment to move too quick and too fast and to move in our own confidence and our own wisdom and our own strength and in our own power to do what God has called us to do. And God knows that God-sized assignments can't be done in human-sized strength. And this cul-de-sac is dangerous. It's like, well, I know God told me to go, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and I'm gonna go do it, but I'm gonna do it basically in my own ability. And God knew this wasn't gonna work, not for an assignment like the assignment that we have. We need supernatural power. 
And so the prophets had spoken long ago about the moment that happened in the pages of Book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came and he filled up believers in Christ. It was no longer um, this Shekinah glory coming down over a tent in the desert. It was God himself, the Holy Spirit, coming to dwell in people like you and like me. God was saying, guess what? There is an authority and there is an assignment, but there is also an assistance. (laughs) And it is a present and all-sufficient power for everything that you need to do what I've called you to do. There is power. And so he said, verse four, he said, do not leave Jerusalem. Oh, wait a minute. I thought he said go. Now he's saying stay? Or is he saying, you know, go? Because now he's saying, do not leave. And you're saying that he's telling us to go. (laughs) He said, do not leave. But then what did he say? But wait for the promise of my father. And then a little bit later, when Holy Spirit comes, verse 1-8, you will receive power. And this is how we live. This is how we live. You will receive power. This is the missing link for some of us, maybe even this building right now. You understand God and you sort of get lordship and authority and you sort of get that there's an assignment, but you missed out on the fact that God has given you an all-sufficient power through Holy Spirit. So a yielded and submitted open life to Holy Spirit is a vessel through which God can do just extraordinary things. He can. And there's no way that any of us in our own right mind should attempt to do anything for God apart from total and utter dependence on the Spirit of God in all of us. I I mean, I I wouldn't have walked up on this platform today. (laughs) I wouldn't have walked up these stairs today without in my heart setting apart an openness and a dependence on Holy Spirit to do what I know that I cannot in this moment. I say to him before, I try to say to him before I ever hit that bottom stair, you know, energize my body, energize my my mind, give me a divine capacity, Holy Spirit. Give me supernatural ability. Do things that maybe we're not even seeing in the natural, but they're happening in the spirit. Fill me up and use me in a way that one voice can speak out, but a hundred different people can hear you speaking personally to them and uniquely into their life and to their very situations. Only, only Holy Spirit can do that. Do that. None of us in our right mind would step forward anywhere in any moment to try to, try to do anything great for God without saying, thank you, God, for this moment. I'm gonna wait right here until I know that I'm in touch and fill and in tune with and yielded to and available to the present and all-surpassing power of the Holy Spirit in my life to do in me and through me what I know I cannot Do you know that God isn't waiting for you to be powerful? He's waiting for you to know that he is powerful in you. (laughs) He's powerful in you. And he's waiting for you to be filled with Holy Spirit so that you can know in your life the ability that you need to stand with courage and boldness in any moment that you find yourself in. If you're gonna go... Listen, if you're gonna go before kings, if you're gonna go before rulers and princes 
And you're, you're gonna need extraordinary power to do that, right? You're gonna need supernatural assistance to do that. And his name is Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he is woven throughout this book, this scripture, this word of God in every way. And we'll see the power of God through the Holy Spirit coupled with the purpose of God. And that's all we need. And then lastly, the fourth thing, there is a global and all-inclusive assimilation that happens. In Acts, we're gonna see that. We're gonna see authority, we see assignment, and we see assistance. And honestly, that sounds a little bit too small just to say that Holy Spirit is assistance, but I went with it because it was an A word. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is gonna give us what we need, but it's, it's more than just assistance, but it is assistance. He is a helper, he is a comforter, but it is really the dynamite power of God to explode in us the gospel to the world. That's really what it is. Dynamite power to help us endure anything that we would face and triumph over anything that we would face in life. The last big theme is this assimilation of people. Jews and Gentiles, Greeks, free, slave, this nation, that nation, that language, doesn't matter. We're all gonna assimilate all of them into this beautiful body called the church of Jesus Christ of which he's gonna be the head. And so all through Acts, we see the establishing of the church of Jesus. And how does it work? It's a church, the people of God operating under the authority of Lord Jesus Christ, moving together with this clear, all-consuming assignment, aided by the assistance of the power of the supernatural power of Holy Spirit to preach the gospel so that all people can come from death to life and be assimilated into this beautiful family called the church of Jesus Christ. And then we move together, lockstep, shoulder and shoulder, in power with this clear assignment to take the gospel of Jesus to the whole world. And it all began in the moment that Jesus ascended, in the moment that Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. Four big ideas and a couple cul-de-sacs that we're gonna avoid and some outcomes. That we wanna take our place in this story of Acts, that we're in this story, that we can write ourselves into this story by our faith. And we're gonna have confidence in God's sovereign plans and then move together lockstep. That's what we're gonna do. We're, we're, we're not gonna keep listening to the news and go, oh my goodness, this is terrible. We're gonna go, God, I'm so glad that I know you. And there's gonna be courage born of the spirit in the face of opposition, in the face of any obstacle that can make us distinct in the world and bold in our faith. So we're gonna get ready to pray in just a minute. And, um, but I want to close with a word picture. And this is the same one that the Lord gave me um, for the Dones when we were, we were praying and sending them out a couple weeks ago. And the, the one that I want for all of us to see throughout this time together over these next few weeks is we're going to be sent out every day with an assignment. And the picture of Acts for me, and I hope for all of us as we go through the series, is about saying to God, we want to be a flaming arrow in the world. We want to be a flaming arrow in the world. So what would that look like? Well, the very point we talked about is the authority of Jesus. It's the authority 
of Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus is the very point of the arrow. And I love this about destiny. This is something that we say around here, right? Jesus is our lead story. He's the headline. He always will be. He's the leading factor. He's the point. He's the point of all of this, right? And that's the way we see it in the arrow. He's the lead story. His name, his power, his authority is what pierces the air. It leads the way for us. And as we move forward, the shaft of the arrow is us, the people of God and the church. And so as the people of God and the church, we have in our mouths, the gospel uh, of, of the word of God and Jesus and, and, and the gospel is our mouth. So it's led by the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And it guides our flight. It's taking us along, right? We're following his lead. And as we move out with the gospel in our mouths, led by the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, we're not just flying, but we're on fire flying. Now I wanted really bad to light this on fire this morning. I wanted really bad to just soak this in gasoline and then just light it on fire, but somebody thought it wasn't a good idea. And and so anyway, can we just imagine that we soaked this in, in, in gasoline and that it is lit up and on fire this morning and it's blazing in this big, you know, black tar flame that's going up right now because that's the picture. And as we keep on going, these feathers here, they're called the fletching and uh, they would be the word of God. The word of God, what does it do? It stabilizes and it guides our journey, right? Led by the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we move out with the gospel in our mouths, led by the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, we're not just flying, but we're on fire flying. And so here's the thing, we have all of that, but there's more power, there's more. And the more power is the sovereign plan of God made possible by Holy Spirit to give us this unbelievable and exponential amount of power in our flight. So we're gonna get pulled back in a bow. We're gonna get pulled back in a bow. And I just want you to imagine again, this flaming arrow. And, and, and can you see that with your imagination right now? Just this flaming arrow, because apparently, you know, we're a rule, rule keeping church and we can't do things like that here. But imagine a flaming arrow with the gospel in our mouths and the point being the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. The shaft is us, the body of Christ, joined together and navigated by the unchanging word of God. But we are in the bow of the sovereign power of the Holy Spirit. And when he pulls back this bow, the Holy Spirit is the fire and he is the bow. And he says, man, here's, the mission of Acts. I want you to see this picture. And here's what I want you to remember. I am putting you in a position where I can fling you fast and I can fling you far to the ends of the earth. And wherever you land, poof, there's a fire that'll spring up because of the anointing and the fullness that I've put in you and to, to carry my name. You are a flaming arrow shot and propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the introduction today leads us to this moment of saying, God, I wanna be a flaming arrow in your bow, sailing to the nations with the gospel in my mouth on fire that wherever I land, here, there, or everywhere, 
poof in your name. Amen. So let's stand as we close. Father God, we thank you for your power this morning. And I just, I just want to offer this to you this morning. If, if you want to just agree with me for a fresh and filling, or maybe for the first time, you just ask Holy Spirit to come and fill you with his power. And there's so many things that I can't go into to this morning that, that come along with that, the gifts that he'll speak through us, he'll pray through us, he'll give us words to say, he'll give us boldness. There's so many things that, that happens when he fills us with power. But the important thing for you to know this morning is that it's not in your strength, but it's in his power. And he has an assignment for you to go into every part of this world and to just light the place up. <laughs> And so if that's you this morning, maybe you wanna put your hands out and just say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit power. I want all that you have for me. I don't wanna hold back, but I want all that you have for me. I wanna move in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit this morning. Fill me up, fill me up so that when I go and when Holy Spirit, you pull the bow back, we are shot forward flaming and on fire and wherever we land, wherever you send us, wherever we go, whether that be our neighborhoods, our place of, of business, our place of work, our school campuses, Lord, or to different cities, to different parts of the world, we will set the place on fire for your purpose, for your kingdom, for your power and for your glory. God, do what only you can do. In your mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pastor Derek. Thank you, Pastor Sean. So, we've been busy, Brown family. Um, Pastor Sean told you guys last week that we are getting ready to move. We're going to transition. We've taken, uh, we're actually currently um, on staff at the Four Square Church in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Um, as lead pastors, we're not working there full-time, so we're not doing a lot, but we're, we're definitely there. Um, and you know, Pam and I never, ever, 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 ever thought that we would be lead pastors. We don't, we never really liked working with adults. Yeah, and it's, you can change the mind of a teenager real easy. You sit down, you talk with them, they see sense, they modify their plan. You don't, you can't do that with an adult. It's that old dog, new tricks thing. It's a little bit, a little bit more of a challenge. But two years ago, a little over two years ago, we were at a training in Wyoming. And the, the lead pastor of the church that was hosting um, made a joke about Pam and I transitioning there and taking his job. And I laughed and brushed it off because well, it sounded kind of dumb, really. And uh, anyway, we got home after that weekend. And the next Tuesday, I was sitting in my office and it was when Pastor Brent and Tana were still here, when Pastor Brent was uh, helping Sean in our transition, in the Destiny transition. And uh, Pastor Brent came to my office, and he stood in the doorway, and he's kind of like, hey, did that pastor at that church talk to you? I was like, yeah, I talked to him, but was he serious? And Brent's like, yeah, he was. And so we're blaming Brent. Uh, <laughs> any, any frustration you guys feel, just go ahead and shoot it his way. He can handle it. He can handle it. He's a pro. Uh, but uh, it, it set Pam and I on uh, a year-long journey, kind of having to, to ask God, you know, Holy Spirit, 
you called us to youth ministry, you called us to next gen, um, is, is doing something else. You know, we were so sure that, that our calling was next gen indefinitely. So, so we had to, we had to uh, wrestle with our calling and we had to wrestle with, with what God wanted us to do and what we wanted to do. And if we even really wanted to take on that kind of challenge, I mean, youth ministry is a great gig. You kind of get to say and do whatever you want and they got to take all the heat. It's, it's so easy. Uh, as far as responsibility goes, because you, you have none. You show up, you play with kids, you go home. It's, it's pretty smooth. But uh, so anyway, all through 2019, we wrestled with this. And, and, you know, we had some opportunities for some churches and we turned them down because we just weren't ready. We were, weren't sure if, if that was really where God was taking us. And, and uh, by the end of 2019 and coming into 2020, we felt like we were ready to uh, start moving that direction. So we told Sean and Deanna in, in January during our annual uh, discussion that, you know, we felt God was leading us that way. And Sean and Deanna agreed that uh, they would, you know, kind of move us into more adult roles. We could spend more time with you guys, kind of get used to, uh, you know, this different position, I guess. And uh, then COVID happened. So we just pushed it all aside. It's like, all right, there's a uh, emergency time. We need to focus and, and you know, get this job done. Well, then in February, we felt, uh, we felt like God said, okay, it's time now. So we sent out an email to the district and we got a reply the next day, go check out Fort Morgan. And uh, it's been a lot of back and forth. It's a long story I'm not gonna get into, but what I want to close today with, if you guys have any questions, ask, we'll, we'll share whatever you wanna hear. Uh, I mean, we'll share the truth, but you, know, you ask the question and we'll, we'll give the answer. But uh, see, Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do something. And Pastor Sean was talking about today that um, there's, there's going to be a, a calling for your day. There's going to be a direction for you to go daily. Um, but here's the thing. Holy Spirit isn't going to ask you to go somewhere that you either aren't already ready or that he's not going to give you time to get ready for. Okay. So a lot of times when we start talking about following Holy Spirit, people get afraid. They're like, no, I'm not going to follow Holy Spirit and I'm not going to follow God like that because then I'll end up in Africa and I don't want to go to Africa. I don't, I don't even like to go to Walmart. So I, I'm definitely not going to do that. I hate Walmart. I will sit in the parking lot every time. Uh, anyway, not the point, not the point. The point is, you know, God gave us two years to get to this point. And granted, this is a big transition and it's a big change in job. It's a big change in life. Um, it's a lot of packing and cleaning and just, it's tough. But Holy Spirit gave us a whole year beyond what we thought we needed. And so if Holy Spirit's asking you to do something, he's not gonna ask you to do something outside of your zone. He's not gonna do something that's outside of your uh, passion. He's not gonna ask you to do something that's outside of your personality. And he's not going to do something that he, he's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to follow through on and to follow through on well. Okay. So God, I thank you so much for everyone here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us clearly and openly in ways that we can understand and help us to learn to follow you in small ways daily so that when the big things come, when you ask us to do something big, we know that we know that we know that it's your voice speaking to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your guidance. We thank you so much for your love, for your patience. Amen.